Craig, it is uh, so great to see you. Uh, I can't wait to see you in person in the rinks again this winter, but uh, I trust you had a, a wonderful summer and looking forward to another uh, great season of hockey. Yeah, well, it's great to see you too, Dean, and uh, summer was great. And So I guess my big question, I'm going to start off with the question. I mean, your brother was part of the, is part of the Vegas Golden Knights organization. Yeah. They win the Stanley Cup. Did you get anywhere near the Stanley Cup this summer? I unfortunately did not. I was back in June uh, for my dad's birthday. Um, my brother selfishly went back for the Stanley Cup day. Like, uh, we'll talk about <laughs> being the bad son. But no, he, my, my brother was back uh, for, for Zach Whitecloud's celebration uh, at the Sioux Valley uh, Reserve, and that was so fun. And my dad uh, had a chance to uh, drink out of the Stanley Cup and get his pitcher and, and uh, visit with Kelly. So I unfortunately was back uh, a little bit too early for that but what a celebration for manitoba in general with all the uh the the manitoba mafia connections i call it on vegas well i mean let's start with kelly i mean obviously kelly you know the general manager you you just mentioned zach white cloud obviously the captain mark stone and you have brett howden and your brother darren and you have bobby lowe's and you know the the, the extension of the number of people from Manitoba that are involved with the Vegas Gold Knights, I mean, I'm pretty sure they could have just left the cup there for a month and everybody could have celebrated, you know, in Manitoba. Pretty special, that cup. It's a, it certainly is uh, uh, what I call it. It's a magnet. Uh, people come and see it and they just can't believe uh, how wonderful it is to really be able to get up close and personal with the Stanley Cup because there's no other trophy like it. There's no other, and there's no other, there's no other sport that puts a demand on its players like the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, you know, you put those two things together, you know, those players that get their name and coaches and managers and everybody that's associated with an organization, it's special to win the Stanley Cup. And, you know, uh, you would know this because you won the Stanley Cup in 1999. And Kelly McCrimmon uh, told me on this show as my first guest, he said, as much as you think you know what it's going to be like to win the Stanley <laughs> Cup, and he watched Brad do it in 89, you don't until you actually win it. You can prepare yourself all you want. And, I, and I'm sure, sure that's the same for any championship, but you just never know what it feels like until you actually lift it, no matter how many other times you've won something. It, it, it's so true, and it's also a reason that I think it's so hard to repeat. Because once you once you've gone through uh, the the exercise of, of competing for the cup and winning the cup, now you know what the price is, and the price is significant. And you know when you when when you think about teams that win it back to back, let's forget about teams that won it four in a row, like the uh, uh, New York Islanders. You know they had the 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 Everton Oilers who won it, you know, uh, four out of five years, five out of seven years. You know, you 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 think those players know, like when you're going into the playoffs, you know exactly exactly how hard it is. Mark Messier, I was at a I was at a gala last week in Calgary, and Mark Messier talked about uh, they played the Islanders when they won the cup. It was the third time they played the Islanders in the playoffs, and they'd lost to them the previous times. But he said it was their twentieth playoff series. Uh, when the Oilers finally won, he goes, it was unbelievable how those guys refused to lose. He goes, they, they didn't have a lot. He goes, we were we were the better team. We were ready. We were ready to, 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 to win it. He goes, but to watch how they hung on and how they wanted to keep a hold of something, even despite, you know, not having enough in the tank. He said it was really quite impressive. And it's a record that will never be broken, 19 straight playoff 
series wins by the New York Islanders. Forget it. They're like I never thought Gretzky's record would be broken. That is going to be broken by Ovechkin. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna be really safe on this limb, and it can be a it can be a real thin limb. Nobody's gonna win 19 playoff series in a row ever again in the National Hockey League. Yeah, no kidding. That is uh, seems it seems like a lifetime ago uh, when when you think about it. And you know we've had this discussion before as we move into uh, players in the draft about generational players. And you know McDavid, the last generational player to play in the NHL as far as the draft. Will we see a generational player take the ice in the regular season this year? Talking about Connor Bedard, do you put him in that category? Because I know we've talked in the past, Austin Matthews, not in that category. There are superstar players, Hall of Famers, that are not in that category. Not everybody is a generational player, is Bedard. Yes, and I put the stake in the ground, and I remember the day. It was January 5th, 2023, uh, on the day of the gold medal game at the World Junior Tournament. And, you know, you got to be really careful. I mean, I mean, he's a superstar. But I, I got to the point where I was really comfortable in saying he is a generational player. And, and I even said this a number of times, Dean, and people would say it, but I said, the last player, the last player to do what Connor Bedard did at his age uh, and remember, 17 years of age. At that age was Wayne Gretzky in 1977-78. Top player in his league. Dominate the World Junior Tournament. I know there's been players at 20 years of age that have been great at the World Junior, 19 years of age. But the last player to do what Connor Bedard did, he, he was the best player and it wasn't close. And Gretzky was the last player to do that. So when you start to put it... And, and, and that type of a comparison and that type of context, that's why when I said he's a generational player and, you know, a, a, a goal a game, two points a game in the Western Hockey League, and you consider what he's done early on in the preseason with the Chicago Blackhawks, you know, the excitement that he's generated off the ice with season ticket sales. Yeah, he's a generational player. And every generational player is different too. Bobby Orr is different than uh, Guy Lafleur, who's different than uh, uh, Wayne Gretzky, who's different than Mary Lemieux, who's different than Eric Lindros, who's different than Sidney Crosby, you know, who's different than Connor McDavid. They're like, they're, it's not a cookie cutter mold. They're all different. They all impact the game in, in, in a way that we, that we haven't been able to see or haven't been able to see in a long time. And that's why. We call them generational, and absolutely, I see uh, Connor as a generational player. And, you know, that goes to my next question about so many other good players that are going to be in the NHL this year, potentially, uh, or just from that draft class that, you know, maybe get overshadowed because of that generational player. When you have a generational player, I mean, all the ink mostly goes to that, but there are some superstars behind Bedard that have a real chance uh, to bring excitement to people this year. Who else are you excited about in the rookie class this year? Well, I mean, there's going to be, I, I mean, you have to be excited about Logan Cooley. I mean, he was the third overall pick in the 2022 draft. And you go back and I, I believe that players, you know, really have to master the level they're at before trying to go to the next level. Logan was a great player in the, in the NCAA with the Minnesota Golden Gophers. He was outstanding at the World Junior Tournament. And he, 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 was, he wasn't quite sure if he wanted to go or not. And then he said, wait a second, I want to go. And early indications are that Logan is ready for the NHL. And I, when, you, when you build your, your game off of confidence, I think it really helps you prepare to, to, to move to that next level. And when you move to that next level, 
I said it, and I will forever say it. If you're not ready for it, the NHL will chew you up and spit you out like absolutely nothing. So when I look at the at two players, and really those are the two players that I look at clearly as as being players that can really do it. Matthew Nyes, another Minnesota Golden Gopher, Brock Faber, Matthew with Toronto, Brock Faber with the um, uh, Minnesota Wild who came over uh, in a trade uh, last year for Kevin Fiala. You know, you, you, you think about those, but they don't have the same level of productivity. I think they're going to be good, strong players, but I don't think they have – the same level of productivity that you're looking at from players like Logan Cooley and Connor Bedard, and I, I think that's, I, I think that becomes a separator with respect to who the top guys are. You know, honestly, I, I know training camp is is early on, and you you look at, oh boy, what about this player? This player playing well? It's training camp, and I, I don't see any other player from the 2023 draft that's going to have an impact on his NHL team. Maybe somebody, else, maybe a team will keep them. Maybe they will, you know. But I don't see any player being able to have an impact. I, I simply don't. Slavkovsky was the first overall pick in 2022. His impact was minimal, and like you know, and it doesn't mean he's not going to be a good player. It, it, it was minimal, and I just don't see, uh, you know, those players. I don't see those players from the 2023 draft going there. Kevin Korchinski, who's also in Chicago, kind of hanging around. We'll see. I mean, he's been part of a really good team in Seattle. We'll see if he can come into the league. And, and But for the 2023 draft, I, I, I don't see it. I, I, I really don't. And, you know, those the USA National Team Development Program players, they're all going to Boston College. They're, they're not ready there. They're good players. They're going to be a big part of Team USA at the World Junior Tournament. But – you know, I just don't see it. Mishkov, we know, is playing over in Sochi. Reinbacher, who there's a little bit of talk about. They're just, they're not ready. They're not ready to, they're not, they're, for, they're not ready to survive at the NHL level, mm. let alone thrive. <laughs> yeah, and surviving is not something you want to try to put a, no. a young player through, especially uh, a rookie. Now, before we get to this year's draft, the 2024 draft, let's just quickly explain the Craigslist that you have at TSN that uh, will be coming out. And for people that don't know, uh, they might assume, oh, Craig has this player at number seven, so automatically that player is the seventh best player. That's not exactly how the Craigslist works. No, it isn't. The, the Craigslist works with respect to, I'm trying to project who I think could be the best players in four to five years' time because that's you know that's really what the time frame is for them to really establish themselves. And even now, I hear about players. Oh boy, they get sent down. They're not ready. Twenty-one year old kids. Like you know what? They're we're talking about players that are still maturing. So you got to be patient with the process. The other thing is, I'd love to be able to tell you that the seventh guy is clearly better than the eighth guy. I can't tell you that. I try to group them into, in, in, into areas. Obviously, you got to put a seven beside one player's name and an eight and a nine and, and order them, some, you, you know, in, in sequence. But, you know, you, you and me, Dean, could talk about you might look at the player that's 13th on my list and go, geez, I really like him at seven. And I could say, yeah, geez, I, I don't I, I can't put up a big argument. You know, try to get them in the right grouping. There's different types of players, whether it be a forward and a defenseman, different types of defensemen, different types of forwards. So it's just a, an exercise in trying to trying to project, you know, where these players can be in four to five years' time and how they can impact the team that drafts them in four to five years' time. Last year, Bedard, obviously wire to wire. Is it more wide open this year, do you think, as far as that top pick? 
Yeah, I think it is, but but I don't think there's a, a, a big group there. In fact, I, I have it down to a duo. Uh, Macklin Celebrini, who's going to be playing at Boston University this year, and Cole Iserman, who plays with the National Team Development Program. They were both uh, they both played at Shattuck St. Mary's. They were teammates. They were roommates. They're best friends. And it, it's really interesting. Not only do you have this jockeying for first overall, but then you have these two players that are magnificently talented, but they're different. Macklin Celebrini reminds me a lot in terms of his style of play of Jonathan Tays. And Cole Eiserman, he, he, he's got a goal-scoring uh, focus, much like Alexander Ovechkin. They, they don't want to put the puck in the net. They want to put the puck through the net. And their first thought is shot. Their second thought is shot. And Cole has a very great – he's got 10 goals in six games to start the season. He is only 48 goals away from breaking Cole Caulfield's all-time record at the National Team Development Program, and I'm betting on him to do it. Cole Caulfield shattered the record. I think Cole Eisenman will break. And what I'm really starting to believe is if your name's not Cole, you're not going to be able to put goals up on the board. (laughs) (laughs) What a terrific story of these guys being such good friends. I mean, so often I I go back to the the Taylor-Tyler draft and do you know this person? No, not really. I don't know them. Well, this is like, yeah, this is a great friend of mine. And, oh, man, that's going to be such a a fun story to have. And, you know, good personalities, uh, good competitors. It should be so much fun. How about overseas? Um, Some of the players that we may or may not see at the uh, World Junior, but who are some of the contenders as far as European players this year that you like? Well, you're, you're not going to see Ivan Demidoff. I mean, he's a Russian player who, who who's a terrific, terrific player. And, I mean, he, he, he in my view, every bit as good as Matthew Mitchkoff. Well, we know what, what Mitchkoff uh, uh, has done in, in, in terms of his career. And even now, you know, playing over in Sochi, he's done really well over there after being the seventh overall pick. And Demidoff has a skill set it reminds me a lot of Kucherov, but it, it, it's Finland did not have a first round pick last year, which which, which was interesting. But they're going to have a number of first round picks this year. Constantinius, a, a Braden Point type player. I, I'm giving I'm giving some comparisons just to give some people some idea of what type of what type of players uh, these guys. You know, Artyom uh, Levshunov. He played in Green Bay in the USHL this year. He's from Belarus, not at the World Junior. For, uh, for the reasons that we know that the Russians aren't there. But he's going to play at Michigan State. So real opportunity for everybody to see him over. You know, there's a, you, you know, you start to think about the, the, there's a, there's a Danish player uh, that's, that's a really terrific young player that, you, you know, he's playing at Mora uh, in the, uh, uh, in the, in the Allsvenskan and somebody that, really really has like he's he, he's just a well-rounded player i don't know if he's going to be uh a, a player that's going to be one of those uh high-end offensive players michael michael brancy nagard is his name but i mean you're no norway he's not from denmark but he'll be at the world junior all eyes will be on him emil hemming a finished player big lanky player really really gifted you have I mean, another Russian, Anton Siliev, six foot six, can skate, put up points. So, I mean, those are just a few of, of, of the European players. You know, Adam Yerichek, younger brother of David Yerichek. You look at the draft, we know that the NHL and hockey is an international game. This year's draft is exactly – I mean, think about it. My top ten, 
So I have a Canadian in Macklin Celebrini, Berkeley Catton, who was a captain of the Holinka Gretzky uh, Canadian winning gold medal team, plays in Spokane. He's there. Then you start. Then you go to Cole Eiserman, an American. Then you, I'm, then you got Demidov and Siliev, Russians. You got Levshunov, uh, a Belarusian. You have Yurachek, uh, who's a Czech. You have Finnish players, Hemming and Helenius. You know, you start to go through the list. If that doesn't scream international mm-hmm. hockey, I don't know what does, and I, I don't think that's going to change. Yeah, and it it just shows you that the game, uh, you know, well, we've known the game has been an international game for a while, and more countries, you mentioned Norway and, you know, Danish, and, you know, what Leon Dreisaitl is inspiring in Germany. It just means that those countries are going to have more choices. And we've talked about hockey pathways a lot. And I I think the great story you have about the Kachucks, about, you know, Matthew goes to London because it was right for him. Brady goes and plays NCAA because it was right for him. And there's no right path for, there's no only one path, and that's the only way you should go. So interested to uh, get your thoughts on some of the independent leagues. The BCHL has gone independent. Uh, The JPHL, which I do the play-by-play for. The HSL. Uh, the, the pathways that players that have out there are very different than they used to be. What are your thoughts on the avenues the players have today? Well, I, I think it's great that players have different avenues. And, and, and you just touched on it, Dean. Not every avenue is going to be right for, for every single player. And, and all I impress upon young players and their parents is, is just investigate what each path offers to you. Just understand, hey, if I take this path, what does it mean? If I take this path, what does it And then make your de- uh, decision based on and, and having as much information as you possibly can. And, you know, Bradley Nadeau was drafted in the first round by Carolina for the BCHL. You know, we know that the BCHL is not sanctioned with the Hockey Canada anymore. So that limits different opportunities. But it didn't limit his skill. He's a good player. He's a talented player. He ends up being drafted in the first round. You know, I'm looking and I'm, I was just at the Fall Classic at the USHL uh, league in, in Pittsburgh. And, 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 you know, Sasha Beauvais is from Quebec. He's playing in Muskegon. Michael Haig is from Toronto playing in Chicago. And, you know, these are players that want to go to university, want to take in the NCAA lifestyle. And so they're looking at the USHL, which is a really good league, and understanding this is a good place for me to be. You know, Dylan Holloway played in the Alberta Junior Hockey League and was a first-round draft pick out of Wisconsin, but really established himself there. And, you know, Kale McCarr, do I have to talk about Kale McCarr coming out of Brooks, right? You know, so depending on where you are in terms of physical maturity, depending on what path you want to take, if I say this and, and, and I put my name to it and I'll never stop, if anybody tells you that this is the right path or the only path, run for the hills because – the right path is the one that you're ready to embrace and enjoy and take full advantage of because you think that's the one that fits best for where you're at in your game and where you want to go. Nothing more. And, you know, I get asked all the time, well, how do, I'm evaluating players on the skills that I identify that I think translate to the NHL. And those skills are on display whether you're playing in, 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 in a league in Europe, whether you're playing in a league in the United States, a league in Canada, whether it be junior A, whether it be tier two, whether it be major junior, whether it be high school. I see it all. I see all different. It's, I, I, I don't, I'm not worried about the level they're playing at. I'm evaluating their skill levels that I need to evaluate how they translate to the NHL. 
And, and for me, choice is good, whether it's, you know, the minor hockey yeah. system, whether it's independent, private, as long as that choice is being run responsibly, then choice is good for families, for players, for coaches, for officials, for everybody to be able to have choices and not just say we can only do one thing, I think is is a good thing. Again, as long as everything is being run responsibly. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like, I mean, I, I, I can tell you the, the, the coaching leagues that I've mentioned or coaching and where, where players are coming, they expect good coaching. They've had good coaching by the time they get up to the ages of 15, 16, 17. So if you can provide good coaching and a good development path for young players, you know what? They're going to feel confident about going there. So this brings me to this question. Hockey Canada has announced that players who play in independent leagues like the BCHL or the JPHL will be suspended for the year. Do you agree with this action? You know, it's a, there's a lot of layers to this, Dean. And, you, you know, part of it is, is you know, the leagues, and I, I know this more about the BCHL, you know, they're, they're a junior league that, you know, you got you got franchise owners that are trying to run their league and with respect to business and how do they get tied in and what's the connection with Hockey Canada. Obviously, with, uh, with uh, what came out with Hockey Canada in May of 2022 and how it's impacted Hockey Canada, I mean, leagues have to make decisions based on is this something that we want to be associated with. Major sponsors turn their back and said we don't want to be associated with Hockey Canada. Now, you know, I know that BC had 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 taken decisions to to do that, but you know, if you're running a league and you want to run your business, you want to also understand okay, how do we do that and how much do we want to be tied into Hockey Canada? From the Hockey Canada standpoint, you know, insurance and, and trying to provide insurance for the players that fall under the umbrella of Hockey Canada. You know, that's significant and, and, and it's significant from a business point of view for, from the players. How, how, how you, you know, make sure that you can keep, I shouldn't say keep might be the wrong word, but monitor where the leagues are at in terms of development with their players and everything that goes with it. But, you know, when you, when you have the situation that, uh, that Hockey Canada was confronted with, you know, it becomes a little bit harder for leagues to say, okay, they're, they're like I'm full in on, on that. There's a lot of things that have to change with Hockey Canada. They're in the process of trying to change them. Sheldon Kennedy at the Over the Board Summit said, you know, the, the work is being done. It, you know, they're past A, but far from Z. So I think you have to respect that that, that leagues want to say, hey, we're a business, we want to do it. You know, I think one of the things Hockey Canada wants to make sure that they don't have players running all over the country, you know, playing in different leagues. But, you know, you're going to have difference of opinion. That's okay. What I do, what I, what, what I do worry about is the experiences that, that, that players can, that, can get that won't get it by playing in an international competition for Hockey Canada. And whether that be the World Junior A Challenge, whether it be the U18, whether it be uh, Helenka Gretzky or the World Junior, you know, I, 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 like, you know, I, you don't want to have young players, uh, you know, not have the opportunity to go through those things. So, you know, from that point of view, you know, I wish it was a little bit different, but Hockey Canada feels that what they have to do is, is in the best interest of, 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 of everything across the country and you know the bchl and others are not agreeing with that and that's okay you know we can find a way to to disagree and we can find a way to try to work towards a solution 
that make sure that kids get the opportunity, that there's a confidence in the, in, in, in the governing bodies uh, to, 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 to have uh, an environment and a climate that's really positive for everybody involved. Yeah, because ultimately it comes down to, you know, I talked to Jason Strudwick earlier, is about making sure that kids are playing hockey for the right reasons, having fun, and let's worry about the rest of the stuff and, and figure that out. But the first and foremost is that boys and girls are on the ice for the right reasons, having fun. Uh, now, uh, finally, I want to ask you about the BCHL, and, and I've heard great things, and are you interested as me to see what this new-look BCHL, and maybe you've already seen it, but uh, you know, I've been out to Vancouver a couple of times, haven't been able to check in a game, but I can't wait to go and see if it is that much different with these changes. Well, the changes are about the players that commit, and, and obviously they've committed now to the BCHL, they're not eligible to play in any other Hockey Canada sanctioned league uh, I think I believe it's till June 30th of next year. So, you know, it takes them out of that. The BCHL has been a top league. It's been a very good league for, for years, for decades, okay? It, it doesn't change now. You know, I think the BCHL is going to have to look at, at, at ensuring that the players that they recruit there get opportunities to grow. You know, we've seen over years that players can move around. I think of somebody that I was close to, started and didn't work out for him. He was able to come over to Canmore. That's not a situation that can exist anymore. So I think it's incumbent upon the BCHL to, to, to work with their players and to understand that, you know, if, if, if there's a situation that isn't ideal, that you're going to have to work on a solution within your own league because the players can't go outside that league and play anymore. But the BCHL has been an excellent league. It's, it's well run, really good coaching, really good, uh, you, you know, in terms of organization and everything. So I don't think that's going to slip in any way, shape, or form. There's lots of players that are committed to college in the, in the NCAA that come up to the BCHL to get some seasoning and before they go into the NCAA. So th- th- this, is not a, th- this has been a top-notch league, arguably, and I'll say this, arguably the best junior A league in Canada for decades. And just because now they, they, they've broken away, they've fallen away, or they've moved out from underneath the Hockey Canada umbrella, it, it doesn't diminish the quality that they have in the BCHL, and that quality is high. Yeah, it's, uh, it is uh, one of the best uh, uh, feeder leagues to the NCAA as far as scholarships, and you mentioned drafted yes. players. Always a pleasure chatting with you, Craig. I love the passion and the honesty, and I really hope uh, that we can get tracking the draft back up and running because uh, I love learning about the draft class from you, uh, and I can't wait to see you in the rinks again uh, this year. So once again, the season is upon us, and it was wonderful that you could join me on the show today, Craig. Always, always wonderful for me to join you, Dean, and I look forward to our next time and sooner rather than later.